0: the Judging Book Covers podcast, a biweekly book club podcast where I bring on two guests to read a book suggested by one of the guests. This week I am joined by Marilag Engwe and James DeBrucker and we read Bone Shaker by Sherry Priest at Mary's Suggestion. Let's start with that. Why did you suggest this book?
1: Because a little birdie had told me how much uh, James here was not very biased to steampunk, so I decided, let's go
2: the steampunk route. Look, no spoilers, okay? I I get to (laughs) voice my own opinion later. You're you're ruining the surprise. (laughs) There's a whole dramatic build that needs to happen here.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, it was something that I liked when I read it. It was... Yes, it was steampunk, but I I also thought that since I had read previously... Uh, previous books that were also in the same category of steampunk i thought boneshaker was a very good one that had the tropes however they, she yeah. also put a spin on it where you know it was a different time period it was it was about two characters who didn't fall in love there was no romance <laughs> in that sort of way and you know it was about a third a 25 something i think she was no no she was 35 A 30-something woman trying to get her son out of Seattle. So, you know,
2: I thought it was a good
0: Well, before you get too defensive, um, James, looking at the cover, what did you think this book was going to be about?
2: Steampunk bullshit. Goggles (laughs) and fucking gears on everything and steamity, steam, steam, steam. And then I turned around and saw that there were zombies in it as well. And so it's like two tickets to things that are things um uh, i like (laughs) i know to be fair
0: this book is quite steampunk white in comparison to some of the ones i've read this book was not as heavy on the the i don't know to me it felt more like a background character than
2: steampunk that's 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 true. And my issues with steampunk, if I may interject them now, mm-hmm. are based on the genre's broad avoidance in my experience of issues of race and class. Now, before we started reading this book, uh, I saw Saladin Ahmed, who is currently writing Black Bolt, and that's a great first issue, everyone go out and buy Black Bolt right now, retweeted a blurb for a steampunk novel, Buffalo Soldier, which is about a a Jamaican spy. And so I went, okay, this is something that is going to to address and interface with the issues of race and class that were actually present in the era that steampunk is lionizing. Because I think that if you're going to lionize the Victorian empire, which was run by genocidal locusts, essentially like you, you, you have to at least try and address what that empire was built on. And in my experience and my exposure, steampunk largely doesn't do that. So that's, 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 that is my beef with steampunk. And we're going to come back to that later, but
0: (laughs) Just a reminder, you are talking to a steampunk
1: author. No, 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 his his concerns were fair enough. No,
2: I'm teasing. And I fully admit that in my exposure is doing the heavy lifting. I mean, as I said, that's why I quoted that blurb for Buffalo Soldier is the name of the novel by Maurice Broaddus. Because I went, okay, this is a thing that is steampunk, but it is actually addressing what i think steampunk could or should address and so like f- fully admit that i i i noped out of the genre i again y- you know f- call back to last episode i can remember a time before steampunk was a thing because i'm fucking ancient and <laughs> it, it wasn't a thing and then it was everything it's like cthulhu or bacon it's it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 something that you you add on to other things to give it a sort of geek cachet and so when the genre was first getting started i was just like uh, this really isn't my thing blah, blah blah blah, and of course now it's been it's been a thing for for you know decades and it's, yes, it's,
0: steampunk was essentially the first time it was ever mentioned, I think, was 1987. Yep. Um, yes, 80s. Agreed upon time, which, to be fair, is the year before I was born, so I will be <laughs> that technically I know I have not existed in a world where steampunk was not a thing.
2: Right, so so it, it, like I, I fully am willing to accept that the genre has probably spread beyond my initial impressions of it. I just haven't been. I, I I just can't be arsed to go back and check it out and see. So that's mm-hmm. been, in my exposure is the is the dominant phrase there.
1: Oh no, and and there's there's similar complaints to a lot of other writers too. And I know, just coming off of having written a couple of steampunks, I know most of the editors I had talked with and had spoken to were also along the same lines. They did not. Uh, They did not like some of the exposure they were getting with steampunk because it was always so, you know, Victorian, just there was really no issue of race. There was no talk about the other classes, like what happened to all of the other um, cultures in that same time period. It was always about Victorian era. It was always about London. It was always about that. So, I mean, I saw I I, I see your your point. It makes sense. That's why. I mean nowadays they've actually tried to branch out. I know a bunch of the editors I had worked with had put out an anthology on just Southeast Asian steampunk.
2: Which so I totally want to see- read. Like yeah. I absol- yes, please. Yes, give me give me more so, steampunk from other points of view. And it, it, it,
1: it, it, Yeah, so it's it's and they and the author said that I've read up uh, from the Southeast Asian Steampunk anthology. They've chosen to go the route where They used forms of technology on the location itself. So let's say, okay, I'm I'm pushing this anthology because I was I was part of it, but (laughs) one of the
0: most one of my favorite things. um, uh, Well, you are a published writer, I am not, but I like that you know I still can come to you and vent, and that you occasionally come with me with some of the weirdest questions, and I'll get things like. What material would have been available in the Philippines in
1: this time period? I have asked that question.
0: So, yeah, Um, no. So it is looking at it from the back end view of someone Mm -hmm. working on this stuff and seeing the effort put into it that I Mm -hmm. believe was actually put into this novel. We'll wrap it back around to that in a second. Um, Is fascinating and I think is what kind of pushes me like this genre more. Most mm-hmm. of the steampunk I read tends to fall in the supernatural category as well. I mean, we could have made you read a Gale character. <laughs> oh, God. Which, to be fair, I love that series, but it is a romance, supernatural steampunk series. Like, we could have done worse oh, here. Oh, Christ. <laughs>
1: um, and I had heard that you liked Sherry Priest before she was steampunk, so...
2: <laughs> okay, So so... Again, we are. This is like Billy Pilgrim unstuck in time here because I was going to get to this at the end of the episode. Uh, but yes. We can, um, well, we can the, stop. The, we can stop there and come back to it. okay? No, no, no. I, I really want to keep okay. my Christine Kurt Vonnegut reference. Let's, let's 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 leave that one in. Um, her Jesus. her Wings to the Kingdom series, I believe. Um, Eden Moore is the main character. Four and Twenty Blackbirds was her debut novel. Yes, I'd um, heard of that. It's a great series, and it's an incredibly strong debut, uh, and I I love that. I read it when I was married, so we're talking like two or three lifetimes ago. But I read it, and it was really good, and I still want to re- reread it. Um, and she now has five books in this series. Hooray! <laughs>
0: And I took a look at those I know, Mary, you haven't read them Because I know your history with uh, series Yeah. Um, From the looks of it, it is not necessarily a series It's It's, more of a collection of stories and novellas Based in this quote-unquote century Mm -hmm. So let's completely back up Because we're kind of starting to go off in the middle of everywhere um, And talk about, yes, this book has two of the most overdone tropes right now We're talking zombies and we're talking steampunk, and to give the author credit, this book is from, I think, 2011? I believe um, so. Um, so yeah, this, I it's been sitting, to be fair, I already knew what this book, the premises was because this book, I think she went to Sirens that year, uh, yeah. and so it's been on my list to read from that point um, because unlike James, I'm kind of in the steampunk world, it's more of a, a I I love everything Victorian that's probably where I line up Um, but zombies have always been my thing and uh, I was really excited to finally kind of get forced to read this book (laughs) Um, so I kind of want to I didn't write a summary because I am kind of lazy about that stuff but uh, just to kind of give a quick overview this book uh, is about a mom Blair blue who is looking for her son Ezekiel who has gone over the wall into Seattle where the blight, a.k.a. a gas that turns people into zombies, uh, was let loose 15 years prior. He's looking for proof that his father was a good man because he's grown up very poor and poverty. That's kind of the same thing. Poor and starving, I guess, would be better, because he's been burdened with both his father and his grandfather's name. So he is looking for proof that one if not both or good men and basically that's the first few chapters of the book and then some, the rest of it takes place in the city of seattle back in 1880 and if i say 1980 please stop me and correct me because <laughs> i've got a feeling i'm going to do that um i you know i honestly like the world she's built the the blight was originally released in 1865 which is the same year that the civil war should have ended uh, but because this is an alternate reality, uh, several things had happened that keeps the Civil War going up until the point of the current day of the book, which is 1880. Um, Stonewall Jackson survived. Uh, England broke through the Union's blockade. Atlanta never burned, and so thus the Civil War is going in 1880, much to Everybody is kind of chagrined. I mean, it's the Civil War isn't as big of a factor in this book. It's also again kind of a background feature, but the other four books seem to play heavy into the actual Civil War still going on factor.
2: Right. I have a so. question: okay. is is the reasons why the Civil War is still going on are those revealed in the text itself of Boneshaker, or are they revealed in? External. No, I got them.
0: I got them from the website. There's a website for this series specifically oh, okay. that kind of does an overview of it. Okay, um, okay. I think it's some of it. it it's alluded to in the opening. Yeah, they mentioned which supposed to be Hale, you know, telling about what happened in Seattle. Right. Um. I know the Atlanta burning. I got from the website because I spent most of the time going. Where are we in relation to the burning of Atlanta? Because God help me, most of my history is from Georgia and (laughs) Atlanta likes to talk about how it burned. So, which I live near Kennesaw Mountain. They still got cannons up there and I've hiked it so many times. I have no idea how they got those cannons up there.
1: Yeah, I, I do believe she does get into more of that in the later books. I know, I'm not sure if the second one, the next one does it, but I know that the third one... Yeah, I, I can't remember if it was the second or third, but the th- one of them is about one of the characters that you do meet in Bone Shaker, Clyde, and yes. he does go back south. Uh, I, be- I, I don't know if he goes back to Georgia, but he does do a run towards NOLA, New, uh, New Orleans, in Louisiana. So... they'll probably she'll probably touched upon you know the rest of the history of the civil war around that point in time but uh not much of it came off in bone shaker
0: yeah no it seems to be more of a background and from what i've gathered from the other four books maybe the steampunk also plays more of an aspect i mean i'm not denying that this book has steampunk in it but it is not as overbearing or as Out there, as some steampunk books I've read. Mm -hmm.
2: So, did you know that this is sort of, kind of based on a true story?
0: No, what's the
2: true story? So, Seattle's highway, uh, one of the highways in Seattle, the uh, Trans-Alaskan Viaduct, I believe. Let me, yep, Alaskan Way Viaduct. It's currently being replaced by a tunnel using the world's largest deep bore (laughs) drill. Uh, the largest birth of the largest tunnel boring machine in the world and as a result there is now a giant hole in the middle of downtown Seattle Um,
0: okay but that's now that's
2: that was was actually back in uh, 2011 2010 I think. Okay. So yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, Interesting. If, 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 if that is not the basis for inspiration, um, it is it's at a least hell of
0: a <laughs> yeah.
2: right. And I am only bringing that up because when I was reading this book, I went, wait, didn't I read an article about the infrastructure <laughs> clock <clusterfuck laughs> of that involving a giant drill under downtown Seattle? One, w- wonder what's up with that. Um, <laughs> it, you're right. That the civil war stuff just functions mostly as background. I honestly found, the world-building, hints one of the more interesting things about this book. I can understand the need for five books in the same universe because so much was outlined in this book that made me go, I want to know more about that. Right.
0: Yeah, there's, um, I think it's five books and three novellas. And I all I know for sure is that I kind of read want to read number five because... It was about a spy in the Civil War. A spy on the South. So, Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely, I think we can all agree, this is, when you think steampunk, we are not thinking Civil War America. Um.
2: That's true. And it does, it does at least hint at some of the aspects that I wish were addressed more in steampunk. Because the inciting action is a bank robbery. It's, it's... Leviticus blue literally undermining capitalism (laughs) in downtown Seattle. And then zombies show up and that kind of pollutes the metaphor. Some, but like you've, you've got it right there. You've got like, okay, it's, it's mid 19th century America. Someone is literally attacking the banking system at again, a literal fundamental level. And then it just kind of sets that aside and 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 focuses on the the main narrative of um, Briar getting um her son so back.
0: Would you have preferred an entire story about bank robbery? Is this what you're saying?
2: i th- I think that Leviticus Ugh. the antagonists I find more interesting than the protagonists. I think that exploring Leviticus blue's point of view and his motivation and everything like that would have been interesting. I think that giving more narrative space to the explicit antagonist of Dr. Mitternicht would have been interesting. I, in, in a way that the, the core rescue narrative was not interesting to me. Um, Sherry priest does a great job of creating, fantastic supporting characters and every time someone else showed up i went i want to know more about that person i want to know that person's story i want to know how they got here i want to know what their Mm -hmm. motivations are which is which is great which is awesome but we really don't get a lot of it i mean dr dr minternich gets basically two paragraphs of backstory and Here's this like weirdo, disfigured, masked guy who's assuming a fake identity to run Bartertown, and like that's super crazy and weird. I want like, you know what's what's that what that what's that guy's story? Even though yeah, he's I the bad admit, guy, I will
0: admit I I wanted to hear more about. There there was a lot of like telling that he's evil and not necessarily showing that he's evil. Yeah, he and kind of like more of that yeah he, yeah, he but, kind
1: of was um, underwhelming as a as an antagonist in any case um, or at the, least
0: to like see him sweat when he right. finally meets Blair. I mean he just you know the throughout the whole story the, the question is is he really Blair's husband um, in disguise and and that is the, the underlying question you know, is she gonna find her son and is the bad guy running the town inside this wall? her ex-husband and the whole time she kept saying she knew it wasn't but you know we had no proof you know it it, i'm glad you know we're going to spoil this book sorry it's kind of hard to discuss it without doing that (laughs) um i'm glad it turned out to not be her husband the added pretending to be her husband for a few minutes was a little bit of a twist for me i mean because you know either way he's either not her husband or he is Um, There's not a lot of outcome there, but I didn't know which one would disappoint me more. So the added twist of pretending to be her husband was kind of nice.
2: It did sell him as a creep. Like he was in that he was an effective antagonist. But as you say, there's a whole lot of people talking about what a psycho badass he is. And, you know, and, and, and there's very little of him actually exerting power.
0: Right. I mean he's got this crazy right hand man that just kinda seems to skulk around.
2: But 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 even that it's hinted that, that his star scream is the real power behind the throne because when when people talk about his his right hand man, uh Yao Tse, I think I I i, yeah, I, good I've, if I forget, a guesses me. <laughs> I forgot his I, name. I, I, yeah, right. But when people talk about his, his man, right hand man, they're like, Oh yeah, he's even scarier. And he gets even less narrative space. Right. I, I, like I would love to hear about the 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 world of Chinese immigrants in Zombie Seattle in the mid 19th century. Like th- th- there's there's just this whole like okay, yep, and there are a whole bunch of Chinese people here. And the history of Chinese people on the western coast of America in the mid 19th century is a perilous subject to put it mildly. So like 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 lean into that and and expand upon that and use it to interrogate our own history through a you know polarized set of goggles it it it, 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 it I, I i think that the book offers a lot but also leaves a lot on the table i think there's there are a lot of paths that she could have taken that she didn't uh in service of providing a really tight driving narrative but mm-hmm. But I think that it costs the book a lot of, of, of richness because I would love to hear about Chinatown in Seattle with the blight and everything like that. Mm. I would love to hear about why Dr. Minernick's right-hand man is his right-hand man. I'd love yeah, to hear about this, all that.
0: This is, it surprises me that I'm going to say this because one of the things that I I am starting to get annoyed by and hate, both in popular television and in books, is that point of views change Frequently, and that there's, as a culture, we're kind of getting away from having a quote unquote main character um, or like a main protagonist. There's usually a group of people and then side characters. Not to bring it up again, but a darker shade of magic is a good representation of this. There's basically four main characters, and then you're going to have five main characters, sorry, <laughs> and then you're going to have a, a faction of. Side characters, they get their own little section where you can kind of get a glimpse of their point of view and things like that. This book, I think, would have benefited more from that style than than the two split main characters. Um,
2: Even with A Darker Shade of Magic, with four viewpoint characters, four, four or five primary viewpoint characters, they all represent different factions and social strata. And right. so you get to... Um, you. You parallax a complete view of the world because you right. get twenty percent of it from person A's perspective, twenty percent of it from person B's per- perspective, on and on, and then he had a whole view.
0: Right, and I think I, I think I agree that this book. I really enjoyed this book, but it's kind of hard for me to not like a zombie thing. Um, so, but I, I, I agree. I think it could it could have benefited from a little bit more of what's going on these days. But then again, it wouldn't have been published these days. You know, this, the market's so saturated with these kinds of things.
2: Um, you're right. in that it's much, it's steampunk is sort of a delivery vector for the narrative rather than a driving force. Yeah. Um, for all that, a steam engine is literally the, the reason for zombie Seattle. um,
0: Okay, I think the fact that there's some kind of gassy force under the Earth's surface that can poison us and turn us into zombies might be the thing that drives the... And
2: what <laughs> unleashed
0: the zombie gas?
2: It sure, I would agree that it was a steam... It was steam... steampunk all along. <laughs>
0: okay, but wasn't steam being used back then in general? Like, don't act like it's not something that wouldn't have been used, you know? This could have been caused by a train running into the ground, which I know trains don't run on steam, like... But well, the same. I'm,
2: yeah yeah I mean <laughs> sure 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 but I think the I don't know it's it's the zombie stuff definitely worked as a zombie narrative uh she managed to check off all the zombie checkboxes in an efficient manner um I think that some of the uh the chase scenes were very Effective and very well written because Mm -hmm. you have she she did a great job of setting up multiple perils because it's never just the zombies and it's never just servants of Doctor Mitternicht um it's always you know zombies and people in the employ of Doctor Mitternicht and the toxic gas and 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 um and so there was a real sense of urgency to everything which I liked
0: to be fair I, I just remember the the zombies that attack maynard maynards maynards
2: maynards yeah. Um, yeah
0: the the bar um they were sent uh by the doctor so not to say that there is no sign of like he is evil i mean i, I just it could have done with a little bit more explaining or like why the hell he sent them it was what? kind of just a. He did it for the sake of doing
2: it. He did it for the lulls. I mean, it, uh, it, 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 there, because you, you, you're it, right. The motive is never explained. Right. Is it ever explained how he was able to send zombies to a certain location? Or did has that, like, slipped my memory?
0: I don't think it was. No. Breaks.
2: Okay, so, yeah. It, like, there's just the, he he throws up his tag. And they're like, oh, yeah, Dr. Minternich sent, sent the, the rotters. Shrugged uh, the camera. It,
0: I do have to say that I've read my fair share of zombies and books and watched zombie shows and zombie podcasts. I mean, I I definitely went through my phase. Um, one of the things that is incredibly hard to do for a zombie genre and really almost any post-apocalyptic genre is is to kind of end a zombie story, um, because either you kill off all your main characters, you kill off all the zombies. Or, what do you do? Kind of thing. Um, and I have to say, you know, there wasn't an attempt to kind of get rid of all the zombies. It reminded me, uh, Mary, did you ever read? Oh, shoot. Um, it's a zombie YA book that takes place in the woods. It's done by Carrie.
1: Forest of Hands with Teeth. Yes, Carrie that Ryan. One. Yes. Yes. I've it read the
0: i read, I've the, read first
1: the, first the first one, obviously, but not the others.
0: <laughs> um, I read them so long ago, I honestly could not. I remember the first one. I remember parts of the second one, and I cannot remember uh-huh. if there was a third one or not. Um, yeah, I think it was a trilogy. It's a, it's a zombie book that isn't told from this the point of view of an apocalypse. It's 100 years later, and it's this town that's resorted back to a very Puritan, um, terrified of the church kind of state. And and this almost kind of reminded me of that, where zombies just exist, and 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 I feel like um, Walking Dead. From what I understand, I haven't kept up with the show in two seasons. Yeah, um, same. Even further behind in the comics. I think they're kind of having this problem now, where it's like you can either show zombies attacking, or you can show. X amount of time later and how we deal with it, but you can't, that middle ground in between can't really be done.
2: I'm going to insert a plug for Z Nation, which everyone should watch. Z Nation sticks that landing. It's awesome. Everyone watch Z Nation. <laughs> does it, though? <laughs> it does! No, seriously. It, it manages to fit a zombie apocalypse and a nuclear apocalypse in the first two seasons while making you genuinely care about the characters. It's... It,
0: See, I was going to plug We're Alive, where there's a zombie apocalypse and eventually a wrap-up of, you know, several years in the future and how we're living with it. And there are spin-offs on how other parts of the country are dealing with it. But my point being that it, it can be done. Um, it just seems to be kind of a hard line to toe. And this one, I think, does it fairly well.
2: I agree. I think that it made the right choice in just asserting zombies as a fact of life, rather than as an apocalyptic threat.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or as, like, a... as the driving force. Um, though it is hinted that eventually the blight is going to spread outside of the walls of downtown Seattle.
0: Yeah, I think her th- I- it's like one of her books has another supernatural element, too, I think. In the series.
2: So... You- you'd hope that they just invent dome technology at, at, at some point. Like that, that seems to be it. <laughs> well, that's,
0: that's my question is okay. I know there's a wall. Do they ever talk about building a cover over the wall? What? I mean, obviously there nope. is because it gets darker, but isn't the blight just kind of dispersing. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm waving much my is. hands
0: around. It pretty much <laughs> is.
2: Yeah. No one, no one ever stops to think, wait, we have four solid objects enclosing this space we can have a fifth solid object on top and that'll keep everything in. Like, it's, well, it's just never mentioned.
1: Well, I think they, they also... I don't, I don't think they also wanted to completely close that off because uh, some of the story, there are people who want to go into that city just to take, you know, some
2: part of the blight with them. Yeah. So yes, that they which can it, you know yeah, which the shoot up is a drug shoot is up. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's super awesome. So go into that. So explore the, yeah. the 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 forces who are who benefit from having this apocalyptic threat out there because they can use it to sell drugs to the community. I mean, yes, that's awesome. That's really that's a deep vein to mine. That was
1: pretty much my favorite bits <laughs> of the world building, to be honest.
0: Does it help you like the book any better, knowing that it's kind of a setup that at least one of these minor characters is going to branch out and have his own story that that this... at least the drug side is probably explored a little bit? Yeah.
2: I, I, right, because the, uh, the drug dealer in this book is the protagonist in another book. Yeah. Um, and I, I did enough research to, to see that. And...
0: Well, Mary mm-hmm.
2: also told you that. <laughs> no, because she's love talking Clyde. about Cly. Yeah. I'm talking about a different character.
0: Yeah, there was
1: another character who was also... Reckham. Was it Reck- Rector? Yeah, Reck- Reck-
2: Rector, Wreckham? Yes, Rector. Rector was oh, Rector also... has his
0: own book?
1: That yes. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, it was one of the other books, he, but he, is, he has his own book.
2: Right.
0: Okay, then I apologize.
2: Yeah, and and so like I, I, again, it goes back to what I said earlier that the the side characters are much more compelling to me than the than than the main two. It's the inverse of Silk, where the people you spend the most time with are the only redeemable characters in the book. Like it's it, here, the two viewpoint characters are kind of like the people that interesting things happen to, rather than the people that are interesting in and of themselves. To me, at least and there are moments, obviously, but overall, I I I was always kind of waiting for Poochie to be on screen. I
0: don't get that reference.
2: It's a Simpsons reference.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I've actually honestly never watched The Simpsons.
2: Okay. (laughs) Really?
0: Yes. Okay, <laughs> I've seen the first
1: season, and that's no, pretty I, much all I've I seen have of The
0: Simpsons. Seen the Simpsons movie more than uh, okay. more so than my fair <laughs> share. So but.
2: shout out to you two for making me feel like a weirdo for watching literally the longest running animated no. series of okay. all time.
0: When it comes, to, so The Simpsons, my, my mother it did not feel were for children. So as a child, I could not watch The Simpsons, and so there was never a point in my life where it was like. Simpsons seem cool. Let's pick it up in this 30-year process and just start watching now. No, I've seen the movie. I worked at the movie theater at the time. I saw the movie at least five times, unfortunately. Um, and occasionally still get the spider pig song stuck in my head. Yep. So, <laughs> Okay.
2: Um. Yeah, the, the, I think that the, the world build- building is great and even insofar as I wouldn't necessarily jump at the chance to go back to the world. I'm glad that she went around and expanded on it because I think that she gave herself a lot of room to do that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm curious to see how the Civil War turns out. Um, it, it's, I mean, it is heavily implied that the South is still losing. <clears throat> I wonder how much longer it's going to take him for, for them to get over it after this one. But... uh yeah
2: yeah i don't know like i really liked the cherry priest that i've read up until this point i really liked i like every author who wrote a puff piece quote for this except for cassandra clare um, well, it's
1: like,
2: well yes yeah we all <laughs> right. we all i think, think we agree with that one <laughs> my Okay, so sidebar about Cassandra Clare, my favorite, the one reason why I'm glad that Cassandra Clare existed is because at some point, some Russian spam bot that was used to promote this Mortal Instruments movie hacked a Twitter account of this guy who goes by Zodiac Motherfucker, and he is a force of nature, he's entertaining to check out on Twitter, Um, so they hacked his Twitter account and turned it into a This Mortal Instruments promotional feed. But okay. But he could still access his Twitter account from the from his phone, and so he started counter programming his own hacked Twitter account. So it would be like, "This Mortal Instruments promo." This Mortal Instruments promo, um. And then he would tweet from his phone that, "This Mortal Instruments thinks that Pol Pot got a raw deal," or "This Mortal Instruments thinks that you drive like an asshole." Yes, yes, you. And so without Cassandra Clare that never would have happened and it was a brief shining moment and so I'm grateful for that. But is Cassandra Clare the one that got accused of uh plagiarizing? I she she I, I'm not sure. It, like she did she did control F fanfiction, she did find and replace fanfiction, but like is that plagiarizing? I don't know.
1: Yes, I believe she was. But that's yeah, it was to... also because of the whole fanfiction thing. She did have a big fan base. Through that, right? She but was like, pretty much the original. <laughs> uh,
0: it hurts, uh, trust me.
1: Author who did the whole slash Draco Harry.
0: That's right. That's who fiction. she
2: is. Yeah. That's right. But, like Warren Ellis likes this book. Kelly Link likes this book. Mike Mcnola likes this book. I like all three of those people, and like maybe I'm the ass. Of course I'm the asshole here. I'm definitely the asshole here. But it it, it just. I, I couldn't get into the book. It just felt so. <sighs> I find that
0: amusing because I have to admit that, that there was. I believe I have one text that says, maybe I should download this in ebook and read it from my desk. So I think. Yeah, my,
2: my job makes me want to shoot myself. So, you know, anything that will distract <laughs> me from, from that. Like... Sure,
0: you can make it sound that awful, or you could just admit that maybe you liked it a little bit
2: it was it was it was a, a well executed driving narrative um, it's it, it just didn't give me a sense of the author at all um, which well, which which, which like let me contrast it because i'm currently listening to the audiobook version of uh, pandemic by scott sigler mm-hmm. um, thank you for reminding me that infected was a book and a book that i enjoyed and so that got me to go back to the series um, but scott sigler it's it's like it's blue oyster cult prose is how I described it. It's very sort of workmanlike, professional. Get in, tell the ripping narrative, get out. Uh it's not it's not James Joyce, like it's not Finnegan's Wake, it's not blowing anyone's mind with the beauty of the prose. But 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 even then no, I this get is a not sense
0: a, and this is not a podcast for necessarily reading the literature classics.
2: No, no, but 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 I'm just saying, like even even with infected, contagious, and pandemic <coughs> I got a sense of authorial personality, and to a degree, that was helped by listening to him read his own books. So it was his literal voice expressing his authorial voice. But but contrast it with this, where it, it was just sort of the prose is just there, and it doesn't it doesn't it it doesn't evoke any sense of what the author is trying to do. Beyond tell a narrative, and and so it's it's harder for me to get into.
0: Oh, in my research because I don't think I've actually read anything else by Sherry Priest. This is I think is my first one. I do own a few of her other books. Um, I own is it Maplecroft?
1: Yeah, Maplecroft is her newer one.
0: She's got one it's, that just came out too. Yeah, um, I,
1: Maplecroft and then the second book that goes with that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean like she has I a forget. book that just came out like weeks ago. Oh, um, oh, a new one. I can't
1: yeah, remember that one. Yeah, which is a,
0: a different series, too. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, she kind of does the steampunk thing for five books and a couple novellas, and then puts it away. Yeah, because you know, she goes back not, to
1: horror, I believe.
0: Yeah, the, the Maplecroft book is about Lizzie Borden. Mm-hmm. I was just
2: um, going to say, I, I definitely want to read her Lizzie Borden fanfiction. I will read um, anybody's Lizzie Borden fanfiction.
0: I do have to ask, so
2: you... Pretty much reread this book.
1: Yeah. Well um, I reread most of it. I did not get to the very end.
0: Okay. Um, did it hold up for you? Hmm? Did it hold up for you? Did you like it as much this time around as you did the first time?
1: You know what? I still do. Okay. I still do like it. Uh yes, it is a very narrative played uh book, but that's usually the kind of books I like anyway. Right. I I was never really a big fan of, you know, that kind of Ulysses, uh, s- stream of consciousness type of <laughs> writing. Right. I like, I hated, hated. There was one book that someone had recommended to me because it changed their lives, and I did not want to tell them how much I hated it. <laughs> uh, it's something to do with the curious, yeah, the curious dog, something, Curious something. Case of the Dog
2: in the Nighttime. Yes, yes.
1: Okay. I hated that book, and I don't, I just, I just couldn't get through it, so. Yeah. I, I yeah. realized then I did not like stream of consciousness books, so I had to avoid Ulysses yeah. completely because know... I know it was part of my reading list and I did not want to read it anymore.
2: I I I was not a big fan of the, the, the book necessarily, but I would love this as a movie. Like this is just straight yeah. up six out of 10. I'm drunk and alone watching Netflix. This is a great movie. Sort of I, thing. I would have
0: enjoyed this as a mini series or something like that, you know um, and that's honestly that goes back to how my feelings for zombies are in general. They're great as a set of timeline. This is when it ends kind of yep. thing. I think this would be a great 13 episode series. Do one season mm-hmm. be done, next season be about the next book. But I would love to see these masks um, and and the elaborate. Uh, you know that goes along with that
1: um, Oh yeah I would have loved to see How they had the, How they would have depicted The shoot drop From that airship down to Shadow. Yes. Th- that was definitely something I would have loved to have seen Visualized in a different medium For sure
2: Yeah it's an absolutely Solid narrative and Boy howdy does a lot of stuff happen Particularly in comparison to Silk where basically nothing happens. Um, And the action scenes, I think are the best written of the, the, the bunch Um, when you get down to it, like, because there's a lot of run and gun scenes and she does a great job of, of narrating them and making sure that you have a sense of space and know the terrain sherry priest does a great job of making sure that you know the the terrain in which the action is happening and that knowledge of the space helps you visualize what's going on and that adds additional emotional weight to the action because it's very 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 easy for you to read this book and picture okay this is the arena this is where all the characters are standing this is where the the antagonists are coming from this is how it plays out it's it's very efficiently written in that in 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 those instances um
0: yeah i think that's a good balance to the book that we read for the last episode and 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 more my speed for sure oh Um, totally and i you know i'm glad i finally got the kick in the butt to finally read it because five years on my six years on my to read list that's kind of sad um
1: i have a lot of those books yes (laughs) yes
0: Yes. poor good reads counts all your to read is on your list (laughs) so my reads like my list is like 1200 and it's like well i think the read part's like 600 and something (laughs) nowhere near um so kind of gone over the steampunk aspects we've gone over the zombies um, do a quick shout-out, though, for modern-day Zombies in Seattle, please watch iZombie. It is the best show that's on TV right now. It is so good. Yeah, my Neither two, of you watch my it, two do watch, do you.
1: No, my to-watch list is just as long as my to-reads list. I know, so, I know. Eye <laughs> iZombie still,
0: is in my to-watch list. It is done by Veronica Mars, creator Rob Thomas. Oh, is it? it okay. It, yes. It is a, a good... Detective, zombie, love story. It's got all three. And it's got the best romance on TV. And it's just, it's in its third season. I don't think, I, I know the first season was 10 or 13 episodes. I think the third season's 10 or 13 episodes. They did a little bit more for the second season. And I think they realized that it, it kind of suffered. Um, it's also got the guy that played Arthur and uh, Merlin in the first season. <laughs> so I'm. But, but yeah, it's just speaking of zombie stories that are a little different and also happen to be in Seattle. So anything else you guys want to add about the book? Well,
1: I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I did absolutely relate to Briar for some reason. And I don't know why. Like the first time I was reading it, uh that was a couple of years ago. Uh I was still not in my what how old am I now? Well you're thirty. Yeah. 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 I was still not that. <laughs> I was still not in my thirties. Low, low thirties. So I, I I, I just saw Briar as this, you know, woman that I typically wouldn't have related to, except when I reread it again, I thought, you know what? I relate to Briar. I might not have had a child, but she was tired and it was, you know, she went through a ton of shit and then suddenly, you know, all things go wrong. Her son wanted to, wanted to vindicate her, her husband who was a jackass and, and also to vindicate her father who she thought was a jackass. So it was just, you know, why can't all these things Happened to someone else probably was what briar was thinking and then she had to go and get her son out of the most dangerous part of the city so yeah,
0: I, I agree I, I think she had a, a good character arc
1: yeah I, I did like her i mean she was not as interesting as say you know i forget her name Lucy, lucy
0: who, who just lucy. whips
1: out a crossbow with her steampunk arm and i was just <laughs> down I, I was I lost my shit after that because I was just like oh my goodness all they needed was to throw a a, a steampunk sink into this uh, into this <laughs> situation to add everything in there but um yeah no I liked her because she you know she was this 30 something woman who accepted her part in life and just wanted to be able to provide a little bit to, for her son who kind of just wanted to
0: yeah.
1: do other things and go for greatness and she gets stuck with having to rescue him.
0: So I disagree with you just a little bit because okay. I think the the bone of Blair is the fact that she Okay, maybe accepts her place but she Well, kind of is where she is because Yeah. she didn't want to be her father's daughter and then right. she is trying to avoid, you know, accepting being either her father's daughter or her, you know, the widow, yeah, Blue. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um,
2: so it was can also we call it just... a
0: cautionary tale? Like, parents just tell your kids shit.
2: <laughs> that, that's that's yeah, yeah. what I wanted to say because Briar's whole narrative arc is driven by stuff that doesn't matter and she herself goes, oh, I should have mentioned this. Because Leviticus was a jackass and a bank robber, and there would have been no book if she had at some point sat Elijah, or what's his name? Is it Elijah? Ezekiel. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Saw the wheel, okay. not set time a time out,
0: time out, time what? out. Have you shot and killed someone before? Like, let's be <laughs> honest, how much are you going to want to admit that to your son, that you no, killed
2: oh, the father? I could I could convey the information that someone was a bank robber and a over the fact that I shot them in the back of the fucking head. I mean like there 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 are degrees of truth telling and even she even she throughout the narrative is like, "Oh, I should have told him. I should have told him. I should have told him." Well, well, well yeah, you should have, but you didn't. And so now here we are. We've got this book to read because of it. But like there's there's there there I, I the the whole Leviticus subplot is just there's no gain in in her keeping it secret. Like it, it, she's already outcast, and 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 so. But
0: who's to she, say that she wouldn't have been arrested for for her husband's crimes or for killing him if she had ever admitted it?
2: Well, again, so I I am I am focusing on. I get where no. You're it wasn't from? the Russian Russian ambassador paying him to sabotage it. He was just a bank robber. But dot dot fair, dot, and then you know she
0: didn't know that he thought that until he went over the wall. But it wasn't.
2: That's that's true. That's true. It was it was definitely just you know they had the conversation, and then he bails, mm-hmm. and yes. and immediately after they have the conversation, she's like, oh, maybe I should info dump on him. I mean, and 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 so so the so the kid we...
0: is fifteen. I mean. I, I there you know I think it, it's Lucy um, that says or maybe it's it's Princess I can't remember exactly who that talks about. He he's a boy. He's going to do. He would have gone over that wall anyways. I think even if he had known the whole thing, you know, he knew the whole story about his grandfather, and he still, you know, didn't believe that he was a bad guy. So I think even even so if he like even yeah, if he knew I think he,
1: he probably would have gone over the wall just to see if. Just to go back to that house, to or get he would have the, been you, you, know. you know you
0: could have played the whole well maybe they they secretly were having him you know try to rob banks I I get where you're coming from and I agree I I think a lot of this her angst comes from not telling him things of course but I'm not going to use the phrase boys will be boys but <laughs> um he was going to do he he had his mind made up and I don't think. You know, uh, no, living in in two shadows like that, where where you've got your grandfather that, you know, yes, he found a group of people that viewed him as a hero, but he lived in a world where he was viewed as a criminal, and then you've got your dad who started the zombie apocalypse, like.
2: And and, and I think that Maynard is the much more interesting character because Leviticus Blue was an inventor who robbed banks and was viewed as a bad person which i think is fair if you are a bank robber who literally unleashes a zombie plague upon the planet like yeah that that i am okay with you being viewed as a bad person but maynard has this exceedingly small-scale heroic sacrifice and is vilified for it and i think that Yeah, I
0: I did, like, getting Clyde's side of that. Right. Yeah. yeah, Team Maynard Maynard all the way.
2: Like... and, and, And so I think that... If it were more explicitly Maynard that was the driving force for the narrative, it would have made more sense to me, or I would have been more invested in it, because, like, there is actually a change in the narrative of Maynard... Based on how much you know. Whereas with Leviticus, it's scumbags all the way down. Like, yep, on the surface he was a scumbag. Beneath that he was a scumbag too. And under that, yep, still a scumbag. Um Sure, but but we didn't know that until they end up in the house at the end. No, yeah. I, I, I I get that. And and I mean maybe this is me being the one person here who was at one point a fifteen year old boy. I don't know. But I'm, not all fifteen year old boys? Nah. I was Yeah, I was an indoor kid. I wasn't going over an, over <laughs> walls. If you but know. you never
0: had a situation or, or a point of view that there was literally nothing that could change that. I mean, what do you a, mean? A, there was there's there was never a point in your life where you so like I can get really dark here and, and talk about mine. Um...
2: No, that's fine. I'll 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 do the dozens with you on that any day. That's fine. Go on.
0: So, you know, my father was a cop on the West Memphis 3 and most of my life you could not convince me that that he was wrong on, you know, that those cops for who they put away were wrong. And as a 15-year-old kid, I would have firmly stood, you know, by my father's side. These days I still don't have enough research because I choose to be ignorant on this subject because of how it has affected my life, but I can see a blind faith. And I, I related to the blind faith in Ezekiel, I guess, probably because I've had, you know.
2: Okay. So, so this is, this is a vastly more, Interesting and emotionally significant narrative than I was expecting, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm backing down.
0: Gotcha. I'm,
2: I'm backing down.
0: My point being is that it may be not anything too huge, but you there, you cannot tell me that as a teenager there was not something that you could have given a thousand facts on on saying that you're wrong. That you would have been like, nope, I can find the one. I can find the one to turn all this around. Unless I'm just that dramatic of a person, which well, is quite possible. But...
2: Well, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've, I've been broken by the world for decades, so, you know, it's, it, it, it's maybe not be your, it may be not be the fact that you're dramatic. It may just be the fact that I'm, you know, broken. No, uh, I, can,
1: I can see that blind faith coming from, you know, people who, especially with 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds, teens in general they have that kind of mentality and this is is coming from someone who works with 12 year olds and 13 year olds. And they have that mentality where they will, they're willing to look over all of these things that they're getting, um, about a certain person. Once they have that blind faith in them, even though somewhere in the back of their minds, there's a part of them that's saying, yeah, they, they, everyone else is probably right, but, you know, and I, I've seen this all, especially with my, my seventh graders. I will say that again with my seventh graders, they will go to one particular person and they will trust them implicitly throughout the whole thing, even though they that person was not, is not necessarily um, oh God!
0: Yes, very I trustworthy, and so it's this so blind much, faith. Those days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's, there's this blind faith in that person, and they they're they're constantly, you know, arguing. Yes, they're gonna come through, etc etc But at the end of the day, maybe not so much. And
0: we all yet, had to have the still... hard realization in life that someone is going to let us down. We all had to have that realization, mm-hmm. and so this is just. Zeke's, you know? -hmm. Yeah. And he luckily had someone to fall back on. So, you guys ready to start wrapping up, or you got anything else?
1: No, I think that was all I had written down that I really enjoyed from the book. Um, And I really appreciated the Zeke and Briar relationship, even the second time around I was reading it, because I know I mentioned that in my review a while back, that I... I pretty much love that this there was this interaction between them that this was a focus on their relationship and it wasn't a romance so
0: mm-hmm. really Do you still have those. your your is this on your blog your yeah, original yes yes my okay drop it in the group chat and I'll add it sure. to um, whenever I post this okay um, okay so what are you guys gonna read next
2: Uh, i'm still reading jerusalem um (laughs) i it's it's gonna be the thing that i read for a while i'm i'm also supplementing it with as i said pandemic on audiobook uh just so i don't fucking stroke out from (laughs) over exertion um monbook three uh john Clare is talking about invisible horse shit that's not a metaphor or exaggeration at all. John Clare is talking about invisible horse shit. Um, but yeah, fun times. We Jerusalem, feasting and dancing. Fair next year. Hooray!
1: I yeah, I actually finally started the one that the book I'd had mentioned last time, um, Days of Blood and Starlight, which is by Laney Taylor. I'm also in the middle of other books, like the Jane Austen Handbook, which I read randomly. Which I love
0: seeing the pictures of. It's yeah. quite
1: amusing. I honestly, I, I'm looking at this and laughing, and I'm going, I'm taking notes, and I have, I think my latest note was on embroidery, and I thought, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm going to have to try at least to embroider, uh, embroidering at least one thing <laughs> to tie into this book. But yeah, no, um, that's really just some. Side reading. I'm trying to get through Days of Blood and Starlight, and I did borrow Fables, volume nice. number. What, what volume is this? Twenty, just to try to finish up the series. I know it's done. I just haven't caught How up. How
0: many volumes are at the in
1: in the series? I believe twenty, either twenty three or twenty four.
0: So I'm okay. on
1: I'm on volume twenty, and it's one of my favorite covers. It's of Rose Red she's not really my favorite character it's my sister's favorite character but it's a Rose Red and the volume's called Camelot and she's dressed up in this you know knight's armor um and she's a this she's a redhead and it just reminded me of Alana and Tamora Pierce so I'm just like I love oh, this cover
0: it's beautiful <laughs>
1: So yeah those are those are what I'm reading at the moment
0: Cool I've got what am I reading I'm reading Sarah Bareilles' autobiography on audiobook um, because she sings in it and that's wonderful. Oh, Um, cool. And I have A a Beast and Beauty or something which is a a gender-swapped Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I had to Um, go get that. (laughs) Yeah, it's something I'm checking out to see if it's actually any good. Um, Mm -hmm. So, thank you both for being on this week. It is unfortunately your last week. Um, um, I'd love to both have you on again at some point. And uh, so listeners, if you enjoyed them, you know, let me know. Um, next week, I will be joined by the host of the podcast, Best Acquaintances. Uh, that would be Emily Bennett and Ollie Brady, which I'm excited. Their podcast is a lot of fun. They talk to people that they've only met through the internet. And uh, Ollie is an Irishman. And so it'll be fun to have our first international guest and we're reading his book first it is Waylander 2 in the Realm of the Wolf by David Gemmel
2: oh okay. my god I've David Gemmel is great
0: um, yeah I know literally nothing about this Oh, and yeah. stop it I don't want to know anything about it because that's the whole point of the podcast
1: <laughs> read legend by David Gemmel it's awesome yeah, um, I've been I've been recommended Legend.
2: Right? See? She gets it.
1: <laughs> well, I haven't read it yet, but um, I had been recommended Gemmel for the longest time. I still haven't read Gemmel, but uh, it's on my to-read list.
0: Um, this book amuses me because Ollie has sent uh, Emily and I... Uh, two different covers, which is... He's got the third one, so there will actually be, probably be a good bit of discussion on actual covers, as we have three of them to review uh, for next week, or next episode. Uh, next episode will be out May 28th, um, and I'm looking forward to talking to Ollie and Emily. Anything you guys want to plug before we go? No. <laughs> okay. Not even your blog? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, well... we're, we're gonna You're going to put that on... Uh,
0: Yeah, but if you want to
1: go ahead and blog it, do away. Okay, yeah, my blog, again, to find my nerdish musings, it's storyandsomnimancy.wordpress.com. That's where I post a lot of my book reviews, which I haven't done in a while. I probably should go back to doing that. And
0: (laughs) uh, And good pictures of
1: food. Pictures of food, and I am planning to do a little bit of literature and London, maybe oh, two to three posts of that because you know i went to london and i had i made so many random literature lef- references or at least book references <laughs> from pieces of fiction i loved that what took place in london so i'm probably gonna do something like that in the next few weeks so
0: yeah that'll be really cool
2: mm-hmm. um i'd like to plug my cat solstice <laughs> she's the best cat um she has many toes and a clipped ear and is definitely the best cat. Could Uh, you at least,
0: like, plug it with, you know, adopting and shit and not just
2: your cat? Oh, yeah. Also, everyone should have cats. Um, (laughs) If you don't have a cat, you should fix it. (laughs) And you should acquire a cat by any means necessary, by hook or by crook, by force if need be. Um, Have a cat. Uh, Also, I'm on Instagram at... J D E B R U I C K E R because some Quizzling motherfucker took James DBR, which is my username, and I will fight that person for it. Um, <laughs> and eventually I will have a podcast o- over the tabletop where I work to review two player board games. Um, Any also, idea when that'll be released? Uh, no hopefully in the next couple weeks I mean life finds a way Uh, (laughs) yeah sooner rather than later I intended to um, have it out by the time this podcast dropped but I spent too much time having opinions and not enough time recording podcasts so here we are okay yep
0: Um, I guess be on the future lookout for, uh, I got two new podcasts coming. I think the first one probably is going to drop in June um, and the second one either somewhere in July or August. I don't know. We haven't quite locked down a date. Have we, Mary? No, not yet, but I'm (laughs) excited. I am too. Uh, So if you enjoyed listening to us spout on, we're going to take it on to another show and talk fairy tale yes uh, modernization. And uh there will be more details out about that as, as we get closer to release date. Um so you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and basically anywhere else you want to listen to a podcast. Uh if you're listening, please remember to rate and review. Uh for those that have, I truly appreciate it. Um I have no idea why you guys listen, but yes, I still appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on judgingbookcovers.com. Uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook at JBC Podcast. So, Twitter.com slash JBC Podcast, Facebook.com slash JBC Podcast, Instagram as Judging Book Covers Podcast. Uh, still on Goodreads, but I think this might be the last round that I post anything because. Um, after doing some research and talking to people, those groups don't seem to do much. Um, and you're always welcome to send emails to judgingcoverspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you're reading along with us send questions and comments, and we'd be happy to share them with the group. Um, one last plug for me. I participated in a comic book recommendation article uh, for free comic book day put together by Panelology Podcast. A great group a um, podcasters out of Atlanta they go through the comic books that have been released for the week um, which is a godsend for me because I kind of am almost reading everything in trade and anything I've picked up in probably the last six months that's new has come from them so you guys suck because my wallet's a little lighter but thank you because now I'm reading books like uh, Cursed Word and um, Redneck which I never would have picked up on my own Um, So yeah, go check out their podcast and check out their webpage, which is panelologypodcast.com and check out their uh, free comic book day recommendations. Um, See you again in two weeks. Oh, no, wait, hang on. Mary, thank you for our artwork. I have forgotten this every week. (laughs) Mary designed the artwork for the podcast and... um, So yes, I'm going to try to remember to thank you going forward. But thank you for the artwork. It is beautiful and I actually get so many compliments on it. Oh, that's awesome. So thank you again for that and
2: I'll see you guys in two weeks. (laughs) Bye. Be seeing ya.
1: Bye.